o'clock. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by www.livinglies.wordpress.com, GTC Honored, and The Garfield Firm, serving all 50 states with news and analysis of the latest bank scams against borrowers, homeowners, consumers, and investors, and providing legal representation throughout Florida. This program is for general information only. It is not a solicitation for services or legal representation and should never be used as a substitute for advice from a licensed professional. And now, here's world-renowned financial expert, attorney, and blogger, Neil Garfield. Garfield, and this is Thursday, March 31st, 2016. Tonight, I will simplify TILA rescission further and talk about why it is the procedure of rescission under the Truth in Lending Act that makes it so effective and important. There are a number of people who don't like TILA rescission because it is punitive. There are lots of statutes that are punitive, that punish corporations for bad acts. Just because a judge is scared that by applying the law he or she might be undermining the economy doesn't mean that is true, nor does it mean that the judge has any excuse for not following the law. And yet, despite the simplicity of the statute, the simplicity of the Supreme Court ruling, the simplicity of of Regulation Z, Judges across the nation are resisting applying this law, even in the face of multiple occasions in large news stories over the last eight years of where these financial corporations have fabricated, forged, instruments out of thin air that refer to underlying transactions that don't exist, which is why I have started uh, an effort and received a very nice uh, reception from a number of certified public accountants to enlist them in the battle so that they can issue an opinion as to whether or not the underlying transaction exists. Rescission is important because it gets to the heart of that issue. Without that underlying transaction, there is no creditor. If there is no creditor, there is no claim. I'm broadcasting live from Broward County, Florida, brought to you by the Living Lies blog. Check it out. GTC Honors, Lending Lies, check it out, Amgar and the Garfield Firm with offices in South Florida. And this show is specially brought to you because of donations to the Living Lies blog from listeners like you. Thank you. And for those of you who are not contributors, we ask that you go to the blog and hit the donate button. 
or call 954-495-9867 and pledge whatever you think you can afford. We have a staff and we have expenses and your donations offset those expenses so that these, this program and the blog can put out all that free information. On the West Coast, you can dial 520-405-1688. If this show and our other work has value for you, then please make a contribution to help us continue helping you and all consumers. We are improving and maintaining our website. Sorry for our dust but I think we have made some really good improvements in the services and automation. We should be done with the first phase around the end of April. And if you're looking for active assistance in rescission, litigation, modification, mediation, or settlement, then call our numbers. Schedule a consult, a review, and report, or both. We provide your attorney with the latest information on what is happening and what is getting traction in the courts, and bare-bone facts on the origination, acquisition, and enforcement of each loan submitted to us. Lending Lies is the new platform we are using for the business end of our enterprise here and is has already been launched. Some parts of it are working already, and that's what is being improved. Uh, one day you'll be able to create your own qualified written requests, debt validation letters, and many other documents when the platform is completed. In the meanwhile, it will be used for scheduling consultations with me and ordering services from our team. After nearly 10 years of doing this, we know how much time, on average, is spent, and our vendors and analysts have worked with us to provide flat payments for services instead of each one of you paying to reinvent the wheel every time. With the right volume, we can vastly reduce the cost and expenses of hiring expert witnesses, accountants, forensic experts, and even lawyers. We produce a full report on each case that gives guidance to both the homeowner and the lawyer for the homeowner on what issues are presented by your case. That means more lawyers are available because they don't have to wade through piles of documents. We've already done that. So check us out and see what we can do for you in addition to providing all this free information. Living Lies, with over 11 million visits, is the number one place on the Internet to get information, forms, facts, and opinions from a variety of sources on foreclosure defense, consumer loans, and even student loans. Our mission is to share as much information as we can to help homeowners and other consumers who have found that in addition to the house or car or TV they bought, they also bought a very complicated financial product. And we are succeeding as more and more lawyers across the country are smelling blood in the water. There's a good reason why lawyers have been compared to sharks as they, I know I'm going to catch uh, hell for that, as they realize that there is a winning strategy and potentially large payday in both foreclosure defense and rescission. There is gold in those so-called bank errors that I have said from the beginning in 2006. Those, those so-called errors were intentional. The documents were destroyed. I know how they work on Wall Street 
I was one of them a long time ago. Let Let me remind my listeners here that nothing stops a foreclosure except a court order. No letter, no pleading, no notice, or anything else will stop the foreclosure from proceeding or stop the for sale of the property. In bankruptcy, the order is automatically issued as soon as the bankruptcy is filed. But I'll add to that that based upon anecdotal experience, um, letters to the attorney general of the state in which the foreclosure is pending, complaining that the people who are foreclosing are not abiding by the settlement agreements with the 50 states attorney generals, um, will sometimes produce a letter from the attorney general's office to the bank which results in stopping further action on the foreclosure. And I've even seen it where the bank withdraws the foreclosure sale. So let's get back to rescission. I apologize to the audience, first of all, that because of all my knowledge and experience, Certain things seem obvious to me, and I thought they'd be obvious to everybody else. In talking with a number of lawyers and uh, homeowners, etc., I've discovered that what is obvious to me is not so obvious uh, to the general public. And so I have broken down rescission into simple, much more simple parts, even though I thought it was ridiculously simple before, but that's only for a lawyer and former investment banker like myself. Let me say first that rescission under the Truth in Lending Act is an event. It's a fact. It's not a theory. It's not a claim. It's not a defense. Either you sent the letter or you didn't. It is a non-judicial procedural remedy. It is accomplished by mailing a letter. In most cases, it is an event that has indisputably occurred. So you mail the letter of rescission, they've received it, and that much is admitted in court. The effect of that letter that notice of intent to rescind under 15 U.S.C. 1635, the effect of that letter is, as a matter of law and by operation of law, to cancel the loan contract and to render the note and mortgage void. So when the letter is mailed assuming you use U.S. mail. When it is mailed, at that point, the loan contract becomes canceled and the note and mortgage are rendered void. So it is a fact that when the letter is mailed, the loan contract is canceled and the note and mortgage are void. Now, what the pretender lenders are doing is they're filing motions where they should be filing a lawsuit. 
They can't file the lawsuit, and that's why they're filing the motions. They want to have the court assume that the rescission exists but is not effective, despite all law to the contrary. The matter is settled. If the, resi- if the rescission exists, it is effective as a matter of law. They can point to the three years, to the, uh, purchase money mortgage, to all these other things that are in the Truth in Lending Act about what constitutes a good rescission. They can dispute a rescission if they want to with a lawsuit. But the fact is that the rescission is effective on mailing. And the the notion that the borrower has to do anything else to make it effective has been directly rejected by the highest court in the land, Supreme Court of the United States, in a unanimous decision in which Justice Scalia probably the most conservative member of the court, may he rest in peace, penned one of the shortest opinions on record, saying this statute is clear on its face. There is nothing to interpret. And so no interpretation is allowed. And he said, judges may not read common law rescission or anything else into the statute. They have to follow the statute. And the statute says that the rescission is effective when it is mailed, regardless of whether it is disputed or not. That's what the the Supreme Court said. That's not my opinion. And therefore, it is a fact that the rescission is effective even if it is disputed. All rescissions are effective on mailing, regardless of the reason or manner or anything else that went into the mailing of that rescission. The effectiveness of a TILA rescission is not predicated upon any judicial analysis, in other words, analysis by a judge, of the likelihood of the borrower's success if a lawsuit to vacate the rescission was filed by a party with legal standing. They can't pretend that that lawsuit exists if it doesn't. And if that lawsuit does exist, they must defer to what happens in that lawsuit. But none of the pretender lenders have ever filed that lawsuit. And there are reasons for that. And that's why rescission is so effective. Any interpretation by a judge We call it judicial analysis or judicial interpretation. Any such interpretation that the rescission could be ignored by the court would be opposite to the holding in Jesenowski versus Countrywide that the rescission is effective upon mailing, whether disputed or not. I'm sorry for the repetition, folks, but that's all there is. And all the other theories being advanced by the pretender lenders are really worthless. They, the, the banks and services, or whoever br- brings the foreclosure action, 
will not dispute that rescission that has occurred, which is to say that the rescission letter has been mailed and received. But they want to invoke issues in a case that is not and cannot be before any court, which is whether the rescission is effective. What the banks and services, the pretender lenders, must do is go to court to vacate the rescission because the rescission is effective just like a court order is effective as soon as it's signed. They're doing it through motions to avoid the requirement of pleading and proving facts in a proper lawsuit to vacate the rescission, which deprives the homeowners of their right to raise appropriate defenses to what is currently a non-existent lawsuit that should have been filed to attempt to vacate the rescission. In the absence of that lawsuit, and that's why I'm talking about procedure, in the absence of that lawsuit by the pretender lender, or actually it has to be by a creditor, because the pretender lender was relying on the note and mortgage, which no longer exist, they are void, and one may not attempt to get any anything from a court based on a void instrument. So they have to bring the actual creditor to bring a claim and prove that they are the creditor and invoke standing and all the other things that are required and then say that they want to um, vacate the rescission. In the absence of doing that, the statute is clear. There's a 20-day window in which they can act. They didn't act. They sent a letter, in many cases, saying, you're wrong. You don't have a right to rescind. That letter is as worthless as your letter to a judge anywhere in the country saying, they don't have any right to foreclose on my house. It means nothing unless it's filed in court. It means nothing unless you file a lawsuit to prevent them from doing so, or in the judicial states, unless you have filed um, uh, an answer and affirmative defenses. Otherwise, it's a default situation and you lose. Same for the pretender lenders. They lose. And it is a default situation because in the thousands of cases that I've reviewed, not one time did they ever do anything in the 20-day period. So what they're looking to do in their motions is to get the court court to enter an order that ignores the rescission, which is to say that it impliedly vacates the rescission without all the requirements of satisfying standing by a creditor, not a holder of the note, which is now void, not a holder of the mortgage, which is now void, a creditor who actually owns the debt. That's the party that would be able to make the claim to vacate the rescission. So they're trying to get judges to ignore the rescission, which they can't do. Well, 
when I say they can't do it, what I mean is they have no right to do it. They have no authority. They have no jurisdiction to do it. And speaking of jurisdiction, when the rescission is sent, assuming it's before judgment, there is no more note, there is no more mortgage, and unless you have an unusual situation, that ends the matter, which means that the court lacks subject matter jurisdiction. So what is being done in court is to being done to undermine um, your confidence in your position and the law, which is that rescission is effective upon mailing and it cancels the loan contract and voids the note and voids the mortgage. So when a court issues a ruling, for example, um, against the homeowner who has moved to dismiss for lack of subject matter jurisdiction and denies that, that motion from the homeowner, the effect of that ruling would be to make rescission not effective until after the effectiveness of the rescission is litigated in a lawsuit brought by the borrower. The Supreme Court of the United States expressly rejected that argument in a unanimous 9-0 decision by Justice Scalia in Jesenowski versus Countrywide. What they're trying to do is direct the court's attention to the time stated on the origination documents for those who have sent rescissions long after the so-called closing, which I will tell you as an expert witness having reviewed these things, I don't think the closings were ever completed, and therefore there's an issue of whether or not consummation occurred. But they're trying to get the court to look at those papers and say, well, consummation occurred when the papers were signed. Not true. Consummation of a contract, look it up anywhere, occurs when you've had an offer, you've had an acceptance, and there is mutual consideration between the parties who made the offer and who accepted it. If the loan was not funded by the party on the note named as payee, then that note is worthless unless it gets picked up by somebody who has purchased it for value, in which case they would be a holder in due course, and the risk of loss transfers to the borrower. So what you've got here is two issues that need to be separated. One is no consummation, which results in the note and mortgage being void and there being no loan contract to support it, in which case you don't need to rescind because there's nothing to rescind. There's no loan contract. And the other, where there 
is a loan contract or arguably is a loan contract, you send a notice of rescission and that produces the same result as to the note and mortgage being void and there not being a loan contract. Now, the issues presented by that are yet to be litigated and it's going to be interesting. But the fact is, as things stand now, without going into the next phase of this, the the fact that the note and mortgage are void entitles the homeowner to remove the mortgage from the chain of title. That's one of the reasons why I frequently recommend in Florida here that the homeowner after certainly after the 20 days but theoretically they could do it I think before that they file a notice of interest in real property attaching the notice of rescission and declare that the mortgage located at OR book page etc is void and that forces the hand of the pretender lenders if they really want to try to convey clear title because the statute is clear and title agents who try to ignore this are going to get themselves into a lot of hot water. So the understanding of rescission is to and for some people who are well uh, most states are non-judicial states rescission is a non-judicial remedy in non-judicial st- states a trustee can send a letter to the borrower saying he's in default a trustee can send a letter to the borrower saying He's going to sell the property on a certain date, and he can record those instruments. And then he can go ahead and sell it, unless the borrower files a lawsuit to stop him, based on whatever grounds might be available. And if the court doesn't issue at least a temporary order, which they usually do at first, that stops the sale, then the sale will will be done, and the house is lost. So the reason I'm bringing that up is that people are having difficulty understanding that a non-judicial remedy could put so much power in the hands of a borrower. But non-judicial foreclosure puts the same power in the hands of a trustee on a deed of trust. And so what the uh, pretender lenders are trying to do is mislead the court by ignoring the unanimous opinion of the Supreme Court, which is, by the way, the boss of bosses. In other words, if the Supreme Court says something, It doesn't make any difference whether they're right or wrong. They're final. That's the law of the land. They're the boss. And every judge, whether they are on the state bench or federal bench, must 
follow what the Supreme Court said as a matter of law. If they fail to do so, there are, of course, remedies, but the point of our judicial system is that those state judges and federal judges will follow the law and will follow the direct instructions of the Supreme Court of the United States in Jessenowski versus Countrywide. There are a number of other consumer protection laws that have been enacted to create punitive elements to be visited upon any lender who dares to violate the disclosure requirements in the Truth in Lending Act. Congress meant it to be punitive. The fact that a judge or a lawyer or a person doesn't like it is no excuse. I hope that helps. Um, we have a show next week that's going to be manned by I will be back in two weeks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our broadcast. We hope that you tell your friends about us and let them know that there is hope and help in this financial crisis. Tune in every week to The Neil Garfield Show for free information and advice and visit our blog daily at The Living Lines Blog. We provide support services, the latest strategies, analysis, expert consultations, testimony, and declarations to use in your battle against the largest economic crime in human history. For information concerning Neil, the team at Living Lies, or the law firm, go to www.livinglies.wordpress.com or call 520-405-1688. The opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the host and should not be attributed to any other person or entity.